Yeah. Hey, hit records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo? I do not stay at the Intercontinental. And anything I got is not a rental. I own. Live by the code, die by the code. All right, we're back. Morse Code Podcast. Dan Morse, Opie Priap, Cambodian Prince. How are you? I'm good doing evening. well. How are you? Pretty good. Um, pretty good. So as you can probably see by the title of the episode and the picture and whatever else you've seen about this one, another really cool guest. Uh, excited to chop it up with Mike Giardi tonight. Um, talk some. We talk some football. We talk some Patriots. We kind of talk all sorts of stuff, but. Sopi, you, you hooked this one up. So, um, any any anything you want to say to our audience before we transition over to the interview with Mike? Uh, not too much. Just that, yeah. Uh, obviously, another cool guy to have on, just because he mm-hmm. went from um, if if you watch the Celtics or I guess like Comcast Sports New England when it was that, and then they transitioned to NBC Boston. Mm-hmm. He was on there for a bunch of years, and then got. Uh, landed the gig with NFL Network. So honestly, yeah. to be able to say that we're talking to someone who literally works for the NFL is pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty Certainly cool to have cool. him on and looking forward to this conversation. Let's see where it goes. Sophie, hit the button and transport us over to that interview, please. Here we go. All right. We're back. Uh, this is Sopi, obviously Dan Morse with me here on the Morse Code Podcast. Yep. And here is our newest buddy, uh, <laughs> straight from the NFL Network. And if you're a New England sports fan, you've definitely seen him on Comcast Sports Boston and obviously when they transitioned to NBC Boston. But yeah, now he's with NFL Network. He's with the, uh, the big boys, Mr. Mike Giardi. How we doing? What's up, Mike? Thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Appreciate you joining you. us. Yeah, appreciate you hopping on, giving us some time. Um, obviously, your expertise. I got to cut you off right away. I mean, look at the hat. Right away would so be with a hat. Right? <laughs> so, so there's no we, – we have inherent biases on this podcast. Is that fair yeah. to say? We okay. might be from New Potentially. England. They're, all, they're also uh, – I'm not knocking you for it, but, I, I mean, we just got to point that out that it's – it's right there. I'm sure you picked that one out today, too. You had to have that one on today. Oh, it was an accident. I didn't even realize until you pointed that out. <laughs> they're, they're actually one of our biggest sponsors, uh, TB12. And if you can see the background, Michael Jackson is, is a big sponsor as well. So <laughs> we, we, we contractually have to have certain product placement in certain places. So you know, you know the business, how it goes. Sure. It's all about money. Two of our biggest fans. Yeah, if, uh, if you're not watching this, <laughs> And you're only listening to the audio. Uh, me and Dan <laughs> have pretty lost. modest backgrounds here while, while Mike has some footballs yeah, and some, some actual professional shit. So mm-hmm. I'm going to throw up my, like my driver's license or birth certificate. Those are some of my yeah. biggest accomplishments. Yeah. Being born and driving. <laughs> I mean, look, this thing got slapped together in about five minutes when the pandemic yeah. hit. So, uh, you know, the, I think the shelf was from Wayfair. We put that together in about 30 minutes. <laughs> Uh, after it got delivered from Amazon, you know, it's like everything had to happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. You said you're at home, but I'm pretty sure we're looking at Canton right now. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought I'd have a selfie ring in my life. You know, one of those light rings. Oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I never thought that would happen. So mm-hmm. it's a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, let's get right into it. Um, wanted to ask you a little bit about football, but also just 
wanted to hear a little bit about your perspective as a reporter, specifically in the NFL, um, and and your time just covering the Pats when you were here, specifically in New England. I I've wanted to ask this of pretty much anyone who's covered the Pats. What's the funniest run-in with Belichick that you've had, either a press conference or away from a press conference? Bill Belichick, not Steve Belichick. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you one that it, it, it relates to Belichick, but it's not Belichick directly. So they did joint practices in Atlanta, I want to say like maybe nine, ten years ago. It was a while ago. Flowery Branch, I think, it just opened. They just opened their facility. It's a beautiful facility. But so when you host the joint practices, it's your rules. Patriots, of course, we know notoriously very strict with what can get shot and where you can stand and what you can do. Strict? Yes, I know. I know. Um, huh. But Atlanta was super loose. So we're literally, they have, I think it was three football fields side by side by side. And we're on the field in between the two fields where they were doing most of their work. So Dante Skarnecki is coaching up the offensive line. They're doing one-on-ones against Atlanta's defensive line. And I'm standing five yards away from Dante. So, you know, he's lighting the guys up when they don't do what they're supposed to do. He's praising them when they do. Guys are taking laps and whatever. So this whole thing's going on. And it certainly was cool to be in the middle of that. But also, you know, like the Patriot players are a little weary and wary of, of how that works. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Guskowski is standing there because obviously most of the time kickers and punters aren't really doing very much. And he starts talking to us and he won't make eye contact with us. He's looking this way. So we're talking to him. But his eyes never, he never even turns his head. And we're having a full-blown conversation. We're talking about his time at Memphis. We're talking about him being a pitcher and why he chose football over baseball and the whole nine yards. And then finally, it was like, hey, how come you won't make eye contact with us? And he's like, you know what will happen if we make eye contact? If he sees that I'm actually talking to you, because he's got the helmet on, you know, he sees that I'm talking to you, you know, I'm going to get reamed out. And I don't want to get reamed out. So that just tells you sort of the power of Belichick, who was you know, clearly immersed in way more important things going on in the field. But Stephen, 50 yards away, is still petrified that he was going to get yelled at or lit up at a team meeting because he was talking to, you know, Mike Giardi on the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> what year do you think funny. that was? I think it was like, I want to say like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, they did the joint practices. That's sort of when the joint practices started to blow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The time when they started doing a lot of those. And that was uh, – those are always like my favorite thing of the preseason is to be able to watch those because it's, mm-hmm. it's a different level of competition. And you don't, you know, once you get a, about four or five days into training camp, when you're practicing against your own guys, it's like, yep. you know what I'm doing? I know what he's doing. Like he grabs me when I do this, you know, like this, ha- you know, it's just, everything is, it's hard to play it honest. So when they get to do the joint mm-hmm. practice, at least it opens it up because, you know, they're doing what they do and you're doing what you do. So, you know, mm-hmm. are you, are you ready to stop it? And that was like peak Belichickness too, I would say, in those years. Because it seems like, at least from a fan perspective, he softened up a little bit, a little bit. Not he's no, uh, I don't know who's like a he's no like fucking Santa Claus or anything like that. But he does seem yeah. to be a little not yeah. as uh, rough around the edges as he used to be. But yeah, because I think that the, the 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 athlete has changed. This is in 1985. This is in 1990. Mm-hmm. Whatever. This is constant development, and the players. They make a ton of money, you know, certain players or whatever. Uh, you come from different backgrounds. Not that he wasn't dealing with that before, but I think 
there is a little bit more power to the players, a little bit more. Yeah. And I think the smart coach realizes I got to adapt to, to the guys I have on my team so I can get the best out of them. Doesn't always work. You don't always get, you know, you, you couldn't get the best out of Ocho Cinco. We couldn't get the best out of Hainsworth. You know, some of those guys, but, you know, there's plenty of, of uh, you know, guys that he has managed to reach that had struggled in other places or had capped out, checked out. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Randy Moss, excuse me. Always got to work out. Yeah. I feel like those joint practices are just inevitable for a fight. Like whether I see it in hard knocks or like <laughs> on NFL network or something. And you, I mean, you're right. It's almost like four or five days of, uh, you know, practicing against your own guys. First time you get to really go out there and do it with other guys. It's like. I'm just thinking back to maybe not so much in New England and you would know better than I do, but it's almost like, all right, just a quick burst of unleashing all these built up emotions. It's not a real game. There's not real refs there. Let's just well, kick each other's ass for a couple hours and get the hell out of here. It's a good point because Belichick has a hardcore rule about no fighting. Yeah. I, believe it. It was, I didn't know that. I would say like four, it was Gilmore's first year. Gilmore mm-hmm. and Edelman got into it in the end zone during training camp. Mm. And the Patriots were really short on receivers that day. A bunch of guys had been nicked up, weren't practicing, and they got into it. They're on the ground. They're rolling around. You know, I don't even know. I don't think they threw a punch, but whatever. It yeah. was heated, and he said, get out. And they both, they both had to leave, and that was it for them. And then I think Chris Hogan and Slater both had to basically run every rep for the final hour of practice <laughs> doing stuff to their hamstrings because yeah. it was probably a little bit too much, you know, at, at, at mm. that point in camp. So – um, but that's his, that's his rule. I know that when Jacksonville was here, um, I remember talking to Doug Marone and Marone was like, oh yeah, yeah. Like that's his rule. So that's, we're going to do the same thing. You know, our, we told our guys, you fight, you're out. They had the one year I think with Chicago where Malcolm Butler and Alshon Jeffrey got into it, mm-hmm. which was kind of funny because you know, Malcolm is such a competitive dude. Alshon's a monster of a human being, as you well know. Mm-hmm. Alshon's got his hand extended and like, just holding Malcolm. Yeah, you know, it's like Malcolm was doing that, like the kid thing. Yeah, yeah. Saying, but you can't hit him. His arms aren't long enough. Um, so, yeah, those are uh, those are always good times because I think that uh, it brings a level of excitement for the players too. It's not just uh, the fans that you know have been able to watch training camp in previous years or us getting to watch and evaluate as best we can as reporters. But I think for the players too, it's kind of like finally, you know, I get to go against somebody else. Yeah. So, those uh, sports center highlights are always so funny when they, uh, you know, they only have the one or two camera angles, but it's just a huge scrum yeah, of yeah. guys being like, no, it's hundred degrees. I'm going to whoop your ass right now. Yeah. <laughs> if you really think about it too, is there anything uh, more stupid than throwing a punch at a guy wearing a helmet? Like, mm. you know, in hockey, they have the fights and they, they're supposed to take their, their shields off or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they're going to actually, you know, follow the letter of the law and, yeah. and fight the way they're supposed to fight in the league. The NFL, you start fighting. I mean, I hit you with my hand. I'm going to break my hand if my hand's not covered up. It's like that. Yeah. Grab the guy's face and ask, twist it a little bit, and then leave it be. It's interesting because I think um, I'd like to ask Miles Garrett that question. He kind (laughs) of uh, (laughs) he kind of took it into his own hands and maybe said, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to punch you in the face with you know when you're wearing a helmet. I'm going to try and take yours off and then punch you in the face with the helmet. So. Um, and, he's, and next, he's a next-level type of athlete. You see, though, what it did for him. What did he sign? A $25 million deal. That a lot of bread. Up. Yeah, Interesting. Most of his was the, most, uh, the highest-paid contract for a defensive player, so mm-hmm. it didn't seem to hurt him any. The formula, yeah. Let, let me ask you a quick question, Mike, going back to a little more you personally. What was – we mentioned it. I forgot if we mentioned this when we started recording or before the show. What was that transition like, going from 
regional coverage to to the NFL network? Uh, I'd always, you know, I guess as you're, you know, you sort of, I wouldn't say that when I was 22 and I was starting out in the business, but I thought, oh, like, this is what I want to do. A year ago, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I was in the rearview mirror for a long, long, long ways ago. Um, yeah, I never, I, I never targeted this. Um, it's just sort of something that developed, you know, they, they saw me from all those years of the Patriots and, you know, there were a couple conversations maybe prior to, you know, several years prior to me coming over for them about, you know, would you be interested type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I kind of had in the back of my mind as I, as I sort of advanced, because I think I wanted to, it's really nice to be able to cover just one sport. Yeah. You know, when, when I was at Comcast slash NBC sports, you know, I did a ton of football. Obviously, I jumped into hockey when hockey season was over, but I did mm -hmm. the Red Sox. You know, I covered World Series. Uh, you know, we did coverage from the – I wasn't a primary Celtics guy at, at NBC, but mm -hmm. I did it prior to getting there, and I covered them winning a championship in 07, 08. So um, that was all cool. Those are unbelievable experiences that I will, you know, I'll put them somewhere. You know, they're, they're in the pecking order of things I'll never forget. But it was nice at this point to sort of – devote all my energy to one sport um, mm -hmm. and then get to become a fan again of the other sports, if you will. Like, you know, you, yeah. you're, you're in the middle of it um, and you feel like I have to watch game 65 of the Red Sox playing the Brewers, you know, cause I know I'm going to have to talk about it tomorrow and I don't, I'm not really into it. Um, it sort of saps a little bit of your love for some of that stuff out. And now it's mm -hmm. sort of like, I can be a fan. I can sit there and tweet and, say whatever the hell I want about this guy or that guy if I'm not enjoying what's happening. Whereas yeah. sometimes you got to be a little bit more politically correct, obviously, when you're covering it. So, yeah. um, but it, the, the adjustment was, was incredibly easy for me because I, I, and I, they're not going to see this, but I'll say it anyway. My bosses are awesome. Uh, the guys that I work for in the newsroom, which is based in Culver City, New York, uh, New York, Culver City, California, uh, unbelievable group of guys, Dave, Todd, Sperry, uh, Dave Schott. John Marvel, um, they just kind of let you do what you need to do, you know, yeah. and obviously we work under the, the flag of the NFL, but I've never been censored, you know, I've never been mm -hmm. told don't do this, don't cover that. Um, you know, but obviously there are certain things that you have to be a hundred percent positive that it's right. You've got to get both sides before you do things. And sometimes you might have something that turns out to be absolutely true and somebody else breaks it because we have to go through maybe one extra step of just making sure we have both sides and, and making sure that it is as balanced as it possibly can be. But uh, I love it. It's been great. Um, I was really looking forward, obviously, to this year. I mean, I still am. I, I don't know what it's going to yeah. look like. Uh, it's going to mm -hmm. certainly be different, um, but it's been, it's, been a, it's been an easy transition because I think they're just they're really good at what they do and they let me do what I do. By the way, um, happy anniversary because August makes two years, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah, the uh, the cake that I sent you, um, it should be there tomorrow. Check your nice. check nice. your, your email. So um, check your <laughs> check your messages for delivery updates. Should I have my dog tested first to make sure you know you never know strangers send you stuff? You gotta... No, no, we're good. We would no, never treat a friend of the show people. like that. Um, yeah. But no, I, I did want to ask you what's what's like the coolest perks of working for the league. I assume those footballs behind you are free. Yeah, yeah they are free. Uh, <laughs> I, you know. Do you get asked for know. tickets? <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, like, I just think it's the level of, um, it's the level of respect you get in other places. You know, obviously yeah. I spent, I had spent 
whatever, 17, 18 years working in New England covering the Patriots. I wasn't covering the league. I was covering the Patriots. Yes, I talked to the other teams when they played them, but that wasn't what I was focused on. Every day was about generating content about the Patriots. And, you know, especially during this pandemic, uh, I mean, I had six different teams, I think, this offseason that I dealt with. And, you know, some of these places have never met me in person. You know, uh, I, I never – I spent time in Tampa covering Patriots-Buccaneers games, but I'm not dealing with Tampa people. Now mm. I'm dealing with Tampa people, you know. I, I spent time in Atlanta, Flowery Branch, for those joint practices, but I'm not, you know, Thomas Dimitrov probably couldn't have picked me out of a lineup a couple of years ago. And yeah. the fact that you're able to now say, hey, I work for the NFL Network, and, you know, things open – it opens some doors. I think right. people, you know, sort of respect that – that. The, the brand and and then I think you know are a little bit more forthcoming with us so, so that's to me that's the biggest perk because that's what I'm interested yeah. in interested yeah. learning no, as much great. about your team and what's going on as I can yeah so I I, I, I did want to obviously our, us and our our listeners of course want to want to pick your brain a little bit about what's going on currently going into the NFL season so you kind of touched out on earlier um, obviously some some question marks to put it lightly going into the season I thought I saw something interesting. I think I think I saw you tweet it yourself today um, about the players opting out deadline, which it seems like it's a quote unquote deadline at four o'clock today. I never even thought about that, but yeah, like what is the difference between opting out at three o'clock p.m. today and opting out like a month from now or like yeah. a week from now? Or they couldn't call it opting out. They just basically said they're retiring. Yeah, um, wow. the contract on hold. So you know, Jesus. it's like. Like Gronkowski last April, right? He he retires. Um, yeah. Is he a free agent? No, he's not a free agent. They still won't. If he wants to come back, he has to go through them first. Yeah. It's, it's, he's a he's contracted employee for the for the Patriots, and obviously when they they made the decision, he wanted to come back and wanted to play for Tampa. Okay, well then you have to give us something for him because he's our property, and right. that's that would be exactly how it would work here. But I, I think the other thing too is, you know, the, the, I guess the minor difference is. With the opt-out, there were those stipends. You know, if you're high risk, it was $350,000, right. no strings attached. Um, if you just decided to opt out because you just didn't feel like this is the right thing to be doing right now during mm-hmm. a pandemic, it's 150000 and that you have to pay that back um, next year, assuming that we're back to oh, I didn't know that. hopefully normalcy, which is an interesting thing because there, there were several players that would be undrafted free – well, were undrafted free agents who opted out. Mm-hmm. Um, $150,000 to pay back. I don't know that they have that kind of money. You know, you're an undrafted free right. agent. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're a high-end undrafted free agent, somebody really wants you, you might get 80000 to sign or something uh-huh. like that, you know, but nothing, 100000 maybe, but you're not getting one hundred and fifty. So, um, you know, those guys made a decision that it wasn't right for them. And I, I think everybody should respect that because mm-hmm. look, we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before and maybe we're not dealing with it so well. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, uh, Jamie Collins is the one who brought it up today in his, yep. in his meeting with the Lions. But mm-hmm. I've talked to several guys, and that's you know, like I think that was one of the beasts. If you if you go back to Devin McCourty, I think it was last week talking about the NFL and and sort of shuffling this opt out date because it was sort of a moving target, and they wanted to close the window on it mm-hmm. um, and make it closer to the beginning of camp, which they essentially got. Obviously, it being uh, a Thursday deadline. Um, saying, hey, we, we just got in the building on Monday as a team. You know, you've been doing your individual stuff and your testing and all that and quarantining, but as a team, as 80 or 90 guys, whichever you know, you've opted to do as a team, 
we didn't get into the building together until Monday. And we yeah. won't do we won't do contact until the 16th, 17th. So that's a huge, you know, look, if you could you imagine like, hey, you get to the 17th and you get out there and you say, all right, I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna do this with the Oakley shield that they're trying to get players to wear. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll go out there and I do it and I go, I can't breathe in this thing. Can't I just mm-hmm. can't do it. Someone came out today and basically said that. I think yeah. it was maybe Aaron Donald. Yeah. It was a D-line. Uh, yeah. He's like, I can't play in this thing. JJ, JJ Watt who said it. Jake, okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Same difference, right? It 300 like pounds. 109 <laughs> degrees of training. Yeah. Yep. So it's hard mm-hmm. enough to breathe anyway. And now you're going to put this, this, this Darth Vader shield map to get air. Just, it's going to be really hard to do. So I know mm-hmm. some guys have said they're absolutely going to do it because again, they feel like that's the safest way to, to keep themselves safe. But mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a huge challenge. So I, I can totally see you get around that 17th, 18th, 19th, and guys finally get out there and try to hit and try to run around with it and say, well, I can't do that. Yeah. Or stuff's flying around and I just, I just don't feel comfortable, you know, and that's, that's that. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a mass exodus, but, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see several guys, you know, a bunch of guys, whatever, a dozen guys say, I'm not doing this. Do you think there's a, any, like, legit big names out there? Who would consider like we, we had someone on before we we're asking like who's the next big name because right. uh, i think i don't know if you do I, i'd say probably hightower is the biggest name at this point yeah i would think so too so um, like can you see like a big quarterback or a yeah, big you know maybe the fantasy player dropping out probably the quarterbacks look at it and say i don't get hit anywhere so good point you know, i'm so great yeah promotion anyway very yeah. friendly virus towards quarterbacks with today's rules i, mean, I think that there's in, in some cases there's either so much money at stake for those players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hightower had made 45 million or so. He decided to do what he did. Um, Chung was up around 31, 32 when he decided to do what he did. Um, Cannon, same thing. Yeah. 30. And look, again, I'll say it a million times. So I know they've gotten slack in some areas. Yeah. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You know, for sure. uh, and Pat, Pat talked about his, his parents live with him. His dad's 75 years old, you know, like, all right, you're automatically high risk because you're in that age group that you're, and then he's got a baby coming and all that. So yeah, um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's I think sort of the push and pull is I think some of these guys look at it and say, man, can I suck it up for six months? Hopefully, stay healthy, you know. And there's fifteen million dollars at the end of this rainbow, um, and then there's some guys that say, look, I made my money, or mm-hmm. it's just it's just not worth it, you know. I think there are probably some guys that opted out who just they don't love football like they did, or they, or they just don't love football anymore. And they're like, well, you know what? I'm screw this. I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to do it. Yep. Um, assuming we have a season, what do you think the optics of, you know, you've seen the bubble for the NBA and the NHL. Let's say me, you and Dan want to go to a game. I assume you're going to invite us once the cameras come off, but um, let's say me, you and Dan want to go to a game. What do you think that the, uh, uh, not on-field experience, but what do you think that's going to look like? Like, how does that, how would that work with there being so many season ticket holders? How are they going to do social distance? Uh, my biggest question is, if there's someone who's a season ticket holder on the 50-yard line, is that person going to have to sit? Well, where are they going to have to sit? They can't all sit there. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, so I know that in some of the proposals that teams have had for getting fans into the stands, and obviously everybody's, you know, at this point, that is trying to do it is, is kind of admitting we're, you know, 15,000, 20,000, however, you know, whatever side the stadium is and, and trying to 
cluster, you know, eight or 10 people here and eight or 10 people here and socially, you know, this is your family, you guys can sit together here. And then this group's over here. It's, it's going to be a massive challenge, obviously. Yeah. And it's a challenge that they're going to want to try to meet because having 15,000 people in the stands brings 15,000, um, you know, game tickets sold and, and all that. And, and the concessions that come with it or however they're going to, they're going to work that. So, um, you know, it, it's not 70,000, but you'll take the money that you can get to try to make up some of the, some of the, the profit that they're losing this year by not having fans in the stands. But I, I, I have a million questions. You know, how do you, where do guys yeah. come in? Where are people going to come in? How are they going to work that part of it? Um, I know, I'm trying to think of who was it. Maybe it was the Vegas stadium where everything is like, they already converted. Everything is going to be touchless. So, and actually I think Vegas is the wrong example because Vegas just said they're not having fans. But somebody, somebody went to the all virtual, like you don't pay for anything with money. Nice. Everything that's is cool. done, you know, with a, your card number. And that's, that's that. You want four hot dogs, it's going on your card. You know, you want four beers, it's going on your card. Get us um, next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Those are IOUs. I know. It's just crazy to think uh, that we're, we're at this point. And then, I, yeah, I really don't know how it's going to look. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's certainly going to be different. I, I don't, uh, I mean, you already know they're going to, they're going to, you know, tarp off the first, whatever, eight, 10, 12 rows of the stands. I know for us personally on game day, the protocol is uh, we aren't on the field. When we're normally on the field. We don't get to go on the field. We'll, we'll be in the, we'll be in the first row of the stands to do TV. And then press box has already been divvied up. They're already putting plexiglass and, and, you know, they went from 200 seats to 60 or whatever it is. So there's, there's all kinds of stuff that, you know, they're still probably trying to, to wade through, you know, obviously the most important thing is, what's happening on the field and what's happening with your team. And then you worry about the pieces after that. And I think there's a lot of people that are spending, you know, 16, 18 hours a day trying to figure out how to make all this stuff work. People aren't even going to want to, I mean, just personally, I'd be skeptical of just even going to the bathroom as a fan. Like how, how would that work? It's just yeah. a line of 20 urinals. Like I'm picturing that I've only been to a couple of Pats games, but I oh, mean, I, I, you know what it looks like <laughs> at every one of those arenas and stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I know like some people talk to about or some teams have talked about like, even if there aren't fans in the stands allowing tailgating. And then I'm thinking, well, so we're going to bring a bunch of people into a parking lot. Are you going to socially distance the cars? And then, like, <laughs> well, you know, people start drinking beer, they're having food, and then they're starting to throw the football around. And they're throwing the football around with the car five cars over. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, it just, yeah, this, there's, there's so much that I, I still think we don't even know about the about the virus itself to, to even make you know great decisions about what's happening. But it just it just seems like there's so much to overcome with that aspect of it. Never mind what we're trying to accomplish with getting guys on the field and, and having them hit each other for three hours and, and play a football game. Yeah, we're we're trying to get some um some Bills Mafia representatives on the show to uh give us their insight into what they expect yeah, from 2020. The, Someone's going to get killed. I mean, those eight Sundays a year. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now they have a team that they feel like can, you know, win the AFC. Good point. Yeah. Like, Come on. Are we finally, you know, after all these years of sort of toiling yeah. in anonymity, you know, being average football teams. Now we feel like we have a team that can actually win the, the, the mm-hmm. division. We, we're not going to have fans there. Yeah, we can't throw each other through tables anymore. Like, what the hell? Come on, NFL, be better. Well, at least they have a at least they have a quarterback who socially distances all his passes to his uh, receivers. Mm. That's very cool. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I know, I know you're, we're coming up on time here, Mike. <clears throat> question. Now, this is a nonsense question, but I still want your opinion anyways. Okay. Um, Dan knows this. This is kind of a, not a running theme, but two of my favorite plays I'm going to list with, along with a third play, and I want you to rank these. Okay. It might be innocuous to you, but not to me. Gotcha. Rank these. Uh, long field goals pinned punts so and specifically um if you punt one down to like the one yard line and it's about to bounce into the end zone and then matthew slater friend of the show dives in bats it back to the one Mm -hmm. that's awesome um and then the overtime coin toss i'll hang up and listen (laughs) i'm going i'm going down punt Mm -hmm. Uh, as your your favorite or your least favorite that would be my favorite of all there's some athleticism involved there. You know, the guys running down there getting mm. slated, getting, form. getting double teamed as the gunner and then still making the play. Oh, uh, God. That's awesome. Field goals are oh, – I mean, everybody can kick a 60-yard field goal now. Now, if you want to say long field goal in bad weather mm. – Or in crunch time. Now, yeah, now we're talking. So, yeah. I, I would put that too and then get a coin toss. Yeah. Because we, we were on, talking when that about – point is in the air – Oh man, talk about talk about heartbeat skipping. Because we were talking about like a punter <laughs> who is traditionally, typically one of the least least cool people on the team, <laughs> no matter which which level of you know skill level you're playing at, and they get or maybe field goal kicker as well. You can either have like we've seen field goal kickers. You miss three field goals in a game, you're unemployed by the next day. Yeah. But the difference, like on the spectrum between that being the low. And then the high of a game-winning field goal at the end of the game, everyone picks you up. It's like a Rudy moment. You can really, you can have a, a really cool or really crappy day as a, as a special teams player in general. Yeah, if you put the addendum on that, if somebody puts the addendum on that, and we've mm-hmm. got a clutch time, clutch time in weather, like maybe yeah. clutch time in weather would go number one. Yeah, I agree. I still think maybe clutch, no, no probably clutch time. But, I mean, are we talking like a 35-yard field goal? No, no, big boot. 40, 43 or five plus. Field goal. Yeah, who cares? You could probably make a 35 yard field goal. Yeah. Well, no, I can't, but anyway, hey, at least someone <laughs> believes in us. Um, let, last thing, Mike, then I promise we'll let you go. This is something else we've been asking some of our, our Boston guests. I'm gonna, well, maybe I'll ask you, you have you ever been to Nashua, New Hampshire by chance? Yeah. Really? That's where we're yeah. from. You want to, um, yeah, let me just give you a quick, quick little please. side note. My dad is in the New Hampshire Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame, High School Hall of Fame. I don't know what it is. Some mm. sort of Hall of Fame in New Hampshire. We're both in it. Yeah. Really good athlete in the 60s. Went to Syracuse, played football at Syracuse. Um, played on a semi-pro football team in Nashua, the Nashua Colts. Back in, mm. I don't even know what year that was, 1968. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, you've got one of those jerseys. We <laughs> <laughs> used to have one forever, and I think maybe my brother – spilled spaghetti sauce on or something it was like <laughs> old school white with the black numbers and then they're nice. like the shoulders yeah that's pretty cool um awesome. reason i ask there's a there's a, a sandwich shop slash bar the nashua garden and they have sandwiches dedicated towards some boston athletes there's like a larry bird one david ortiz one they don't have a mike Girardi one yet i assume they're in the process of making it but if they're listening and i'm sure they are what would be the the mike Girardi sandwich at, at the nashua garden what would that consist of? It's my go-to. Okay. It's a it's a banana 
and it's protein butter on top of it. That's the that's the Mike Giardi sandwich. It's not a sandwich, really. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, no, you didn't. But I I think every day during the pandemic, that's been my lunch: a banana with protein butter on it. So, I mean, that's not really exciting. I'd buy one. The hell with it. Yeah. So, like I said, just split the royalties with us three ways when they finally finally put it on the menu, then we'll go from there. Um, you guys, I'm you, fun. you guys want, we can keep going. Let's keep going. If you okay. want to. Yeah. We, let's, go ahead. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, first of all, we did say that he could break some news. So I'm, I'm just trying to hold up his time so that some text message comes me. through. What's Schefter saying to you right now? I'll talk to him. Uh, <laughs> no, boss has asked me if I want to do TV tomorrow. Well, yes. Can we come? There you go. There's your breaking news. I'm doing TV tomorrow. All right. Oh, that, shit. Heard that's here the first. coolest thing that we've heard on this show, um, <laughs> period. Not just on this episode. Um, no, uh, a lot of mention of, of Matthew Slater, a very Matthew Slater heavy episode. Who's the, who's the coolest, like nicest person to cover, um, either on the Patriots or whoever? Who's been just like a super genuinely Patriots. nice guy? Patriots have had some awesome dudes come through there, uh, especially, well, recently. I mean, Devin, Devin and Jason are two of the McCordys are two of the, you yep. know, just two of the best dudes, period. Matt, Matthew's an incredible guy. In fact, I'm, last year I went up to Matthew after the whole Antonio Brown nonsense for whatever that was, 10 days. Mm-hmm. And look, he, like, no, none of those guys, wanted, especially at the end, nobody wanted to be answering those questions. Um, and he did it. And a couple other guys did it too, McCordys. Uh, and I, I sought them all out because I was like, I know you. I know you didn't want to talk for someone you barely know, uh, who who had done some, you know, at least been accused of some pretty crappy stuff, and uh, was your teammate for all of a week. Uh, but I appreciate you being, you know, standing there and as a leader of the team, sort of taking taking the time to answer questions and at least give us something to to work off of and sort of an idea of what the mindset was inside that locker room at the time. So uh, I have a ton of respect for guys like that. Not only because it makes my job easier, but I just think there's a level of accountability there that um, it's good to see. Um, trying to think of who else. I mean, there's really a lot of good guys. You know who I really like? Um, I really like Damian Harris, new, you know, the running back they drafted yeah. last year. Alabama yeah. didn't really play. Um, he and Stidham have some good uh, Al- Auburn, Alabama trash talk mm-hmm. uh, on that game. That, that, was, that was fun Love to be around. Um, Deron Harmon was a great guy to deal with. Um, Stefan Gilmore, yeah, really chill dude. Like, to barely hear him when he talks. Um, but he's funny. He's kind of like a sneaky trash talker too, because he'll be like, oh, you know, you held Robbie Anderson to two catches today. Two catches. You pushed me off both times. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. you're like, you're like, you just, I gotta go back and listen to that. I'm not yeah, sure because yeah. you can barely hear it. You know. So you're like, if you're on the side of him, if you're not looking directly at him and like pretty much right in front of him, yeah. you can't hear what he says. You pretty much have to go to your recorder or whatever and listen to it after. And be like, oh yeah, he totally just trash talked Robbie Anderson. All casual and that's uh, that's kind of funny. So yeah, there there are a lot of um, those are the recent ones I can think of, but there there've been a lot of good guys that have come through there. Yeah, let let me ask you this. Can you confirm live on our show that Jason and Devin McCourty do in fact share a room and sleep in bunk beds? They do not. They do not. Uh, they might share the same t-shirt collection though. They're big. They're both <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Uh, 
it's funny too because I was very like, well dressed. You guys should go into business. Like that could be a yeah. post football. Like you guys come up with all these different shirts because a lot of times they're the ones who like, oh, I want to do this, and they, you know, whatever they call their uh-huh. people. Like, sure, man. Like you should, you know, people would buy these things. I'd Every time they were on the uh, the local shows, yeah, they're they're always in like oh. like graphic tees, which yeah. actually brings me to my next point. So I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. <laughs> I noticed you got some NFL garb on right now. This is the uh, That's, last year's polo. This ooh, is nice. I like that. Yeah. Dan and I are working on uh, making some shirts for the show. I've got your email. If you want to exchange information, you want to throw some NFL swag, like I won't stop you. Just okay. just throwing that out there. We'll trade. Yeah, I mean, you guys XLs? Just, you know, maybe I'm a big guy. Soapy's a boys XL. Oh, Youth okay. XL. Yeah. Well, yeah, Boys kids. excel in the body, but men's excel in the, the <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> Cust- nice. All custom. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Here's here's a good one. Well, we have you. Yeah, I'd be true. curious to get your take on this. This is an NFL Network original. Speaking of 100, any thoughts on the NFL 100 list that came out recently? Voted on by the players. Any snubs? Any? And even before that, do you have? I mean, I assume, I don't know. You don't have any inside no, into that have- stuff before the air and stuff, right? You watch it like everyone else. They'll give us an email like the day of, or these are the, this is what's going to be on the show today. Yeah. Like, okay. You we're know, sort of embargoed. We're not allowed to, yeah. Honestly, they don't want me to tweet it out at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's like the NBA draft. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem with those lists are that they're, you know, it's, it's, it's all to the players. Right. And you're, when I mean, the players, like if you talk to the guys, I don't, they're, they're not watching, you know, Devin McCourty is not. I agree. Watching another safety play he's watching the team he's got to play that week you know there may be things that's you know belichick might bring out some ed reed stuff but you know ed reed is not a current player so yeah i think i think it's really hard to sort of get a real gauge on that i mean let's face it if you're doing a 100 list after this season yes i know lamar was the mvp Mm -hmm. phenomenal year absolutely deserved it but if you're Mm. one of the best players pat mahomes is the best player you're taking Mm -hmm. pat mahomes I, okay. I, I agree. And I was going to ask you who you think the best player in the NFL is. It's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I think if, I can't imagine a planet or a universe where someone wouldn't think watching football and reading his what two and a half year resume that he's not the best football player on the planet. Yeah. Like there's no one on planet earth who would trade Patrick Mahomes for Aaron Donald or for any Michael Thomas, any of those top five guys. It's just never going to happen. Not even close. No. Bill Simmons used to do that 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 ranking. I don't know if he still does it now in his new place, but he used to do like the trade chart value. And he do, obviously he's a huge baseball basketball guy, so he would always yeah. be for basketball. And his, the way he divided was like, would I when I make my list every season, would I you know, I'm putting Tim Duncan ahead of LeBron James because I wouldn't trade Tim Duncan for anybody or whatever. Uh-huh. I wasn't doing it. So that's sort of the way you're talking. That's sort of the way I see it. I mean. Obviously, the list is about last year. They're trying to be last year specific. But right. even last year specific, when Pat got healthy. What else is he supposed to do? Right. He, he won the Super Bowl. Like, Throw and catch his own. Yeah, good point. He is right. slacking. In it. His receiving numbers were definitely down last year. Well, I think he had yeah, zero catches for zero yards. Maybe he worked on it during the pandemic. Maybe they got I didn't, yeah. He didn't maybe. hit a single field goal um, more than 50 yards. So no. not enough enough people are paying attention to that. No. And he did Zach's been a punt at the one yard line. So he's, he's, he's trash in your eyes. I know disappointing he's season. Yeah. He's disappointing ten. season. He's top to ten say the least. No? What's that? Is he top 10 for you? I mean, um, I don't know. Borderline. He's on, he's on, 
He's on top 15 looking in, outside looking yeah. in. He'll make some noise this year for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think he, he's promising. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, I know you, you know, I'm sure you're still New England at heart. What was your, going back to the tweet comes out, Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. Thoughts on the Cam Newton signing and then thoughts on uh, him going into the season for, for New England because we're yeah. both Patriots fans. Yeah, so I, I would say the, the, I mean, the cost was, what, what the asking price was in March versus what the asking price mm. ended up being um, made it one of those things where you'd be foolish not to do it. I agree. But Any I, team would. Yeah, but I also think that his athleticism, if he's right, if the arm is – the shoulder is okay and the, and the foot is okay, which I, obviously they feel comfortable with. And mm-hmm. I'm not I'm talking – who cares about his videos? Obviously, they don't show him falling over his feet in those videos. Everything's edited to be mm-hmm. nice and, and pretty. But if, he, if he's right, he's a top-10 talent at that position. And, yeah, he does it in a different way than they've done it here. Obviously, for 20 years, they had, they, they had the one guy. Um, but I know Josh is, you know, not that he had a problem with Brady and what they were doing with Brady and winning Super Bowls, but, you know, the league has evolved and you're starting to see more mobile quarterbacks. Yep. That's become a thing. And uh, certainly when he's right, there's few that are as mobile as he is. So I think there's – I'm 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 excited to see what it's going to look like if he's right, and that to yep. me is the only way he doesn't win the job to me is if, if there's if he's not right, if he's not right physically, or if for whatever reason he just can't pick up the playbook. But I keep pointing to people like he took the North, North Turner offense in 2018, and he was having I thought as at least as a, a pure quarterback, he was having his best year. Yeah. So was that the year he got hurt? Yeah. Like was, midway yeah. through. Yeah. So. They were six and two. He was completing 68% of his passes, which is way above his, his normal percentage. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think that's, that's in him, you know, yeah. I think that, that they can get that out of him. And if they can get that out of him, then all those people that were, you know, shoveling dirt on them are going to be like, well, you know what? They, they might still be the best team in the AFC East. I think you, you, go ahead. Tom. Sorry. I, I was good. I was just going to say, I think you really raise a good point about Josh. I, I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten that, not to use a um, a culinary uh, analogy, but he, <laughs> I, I'm sure he's excited to have more groceries to cook with, different groceries to cook with, because um, he's just been, I'm sure even at a certain point, no matter the level of, of success, you do get a little complacent and maybe bored with um, the same game plan for ten straight years. I don't I don't remember how many years he's been with us. Yeah, and I think there's there are also, you know, I think you saw a couple times last year, this may be a level of frustration because Tom, mm-hmm. you know, it, Tom is so particular. And, you know, I remember asking him a question about McKeel, uh, McDaniels, a question about McKeel Harry. And, you know, the message I think wasn't to us, but it was more to Tom. Like, we tended to know what we're doing here. So, you know, trust that we're doing the right thing and, you know, that this could this could work out if you sort of – are willing to kind of grow with it. And I think Tom last year was at the point where he's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to throw a Julian every freaking play. Yeah. I, we, and James is my, is my safety valve. And I'm not, you know, whatever. I, I'm not feeling this. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, J- Josh obviously managed to go to the playoffs with Tebow. Um, who couldn't throw. And I, they had to do a lot of different things with that offense. <laughs> I think really for Josh, it's a huge year. Because I know Josh – 
can resuscitate, not that, I mean, Cam's been hurt. That's really been the problem. But if, if Josh could turn Cam into a 65% passer for the season and they go to the playoffs and they sort of unleash, you know, this new version of Cam, um, then I think Josh vaults to number one on everyone's wish list to be a head coach next year. And I think you've seen the last couple of years after what happened with Indianapolis that, um, you know, I think he wanted a job last offseason mm-hmm. and he only got the one interview in Cleveland and he didn't get that job. Uh, so I think it's a huge year for Josh too, just sort of reestablishing himself as this, it's not just about Brady. You know, I, I had a lot to do with this too. There he is. Yeah. What are your, <laughs> what, you're obviously a lot more connected to Tom Brady than the two of us slightly. Um, what do you, what's your outlook for Tom's season down there? I, Happy belated I, birthday I, to him, by the way. He is, uh, yeah. He, I, the cake. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys can yeah. split that. That's what that was for. <laughs> um, I think you're seeing it. He's incredibly he's motivated. Great. Yeah. yeah, he's incredibly motivated, and yeah. I. He can say what he wants, and I know he's he's taken the high road at least publicly, um, since the end of the season and since going to Tampa. But human nature is he wants to stick it to Bill, and and just to remind him, you didn't you didn't think I could do this, or you didn't think I could do it at the level that I did it at before. And now that I have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and oh, I got Gronk to come to Tampa and OJ Howard and Cameron Braid and on and on it goes, that if you had given me more, you, you'd see the results. And to me, the only thing that's going to hold him back from having a, a, a really big year is his health. And that, mm. that's sort of the sneaky thing that no one wants to talk about because he doesn't miss games. But it's something I've sort of harped on, especially the last two years. He's had a lot of physical issues that have impacted performance. No, it hasn't cost him playing time. He's been out there, but the shoulder last year was a thing. The mm-hmm. ankle was a thing. The year before, the sprained knee for six weeks, and he, he, he was not the same quarterback, and it nearly – I mean, they went in the tank, and we all thought, you know, at nine and five or whatever they were, nine, eight and five, whatever it was. Whatever it was when they lost two in a row in Denver. I mean, yeah. in December, you're like, it's not happening this year. And then, you know, they got healthy on the Jets and Bills. They went – generally more as a power running team down the stretch and they won a Super Bowl. So they kind of, mm. they, and maybe they probably weren't the best team, but they, but they, they, they were the best team at the end and they were the best coach team. And they, you know, they, they coached the pants off Sean McVay and in, in the Super yeah. Bowl. Um, so to me, that's the thing. Can he stay healthy? You know, yeah. and, and that's, that's an interesting part too, because then that's the marriage of what Brady likes to do and what Arians likes to do. And Arians is constantly, there are a team that pushes the ball down the field. And that's not how Tom has operated for the better part of the last 10 years. So mm-hmm. you, you hold on to the ball for another second. That gives a guy another second to get to you and, and you, know, you know, stick his helmet into your rib cage or roll up on your leg by accident or whatever. And, you know, can the body handle that at, at now 43? Because it, it struggled at 41 and 42. God, that's such a crazy number to hear out loud. 43-year-old playing elite-level quarterback. And he does. I mean, like, you hear him talk today and it's the – the, um, you know, again, that's that, that answer. I have the answers to the test. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do to me that I haven't been through and dealt with. It's just a matter of physically, can I keep doing it? And mm-hmm. he says, I can, and I will. And the jury's out, you know? Gotta do it. He's in uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, uh, you've been super generous with your time. So I, I actually, this is the last question. We'll get you out of here on this. Back in 2014, the uh, the infamous game where 
the Pats got the the break speed off them against the Chiefs. Mm, great game. This is a legitimate question. I don't know if this was you or not. Were you the one that asked Belichick? Okay. Let me frame the question. The ball's on you, man. <laughs> this is interesting. So this is when I worked at NBC or CSM. Yeah. Yeah. So Tom Kern and I were at the game. And as we're watching the game, we're like, quarterback seeing ghosts. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on here. Hasn't looked good for the first three weeks of the season on top of this. So we're kind of going back and forth. And I was like, we, you know, we have to ask about the quarterback. And so we, we were kind of, we were in the elevator. We're going down with about four minutes left in the game. And we're kind of going back and forth about how we wanted to do it. And I'm like, well, let's just go good cop, bad cop. He's got a better, Bill's got a better relationship with you than he does with me. So I'll ask that question. <laughs> when you come over the top of the, you know, maybe something that leads him back in a positive Brady direction. And we knew like going in the, the thing that gets forgotten about that is when I went on the air right after that question was asked, I, you know, we went out there to TV right afterwards. And I remember Bob Newmeyer was our host. And I said, if Jimmy Garoppolo ends up at the quarterback as the quarterback this year, at any point, then something has gone really, really wrong. And whether that's Brady falling off the table or Brady getting hurt, there was no way that Jimmy was better than Tom Mm -hmm. at that point in their career. Um, you would argue still at this point of their careers. So it was just more of a matter of like, let's put Bill on the record. Um, and he went on the record without using a single solitary word. So uh, it was whatever, you know, like I know I got a, I got a lot of hate from that. Um, no, listen, you had the balls to ask the question. So, well, we, we run into this with Bill all the time is that people, Oh, you know, he's not going to answer that question. It doesn't matter whether he's going to answer it or not. Mm-hmm. Our job as reporters is to at least ask the question. What he chooses to do with the question after we give it to him is it's anyone's prerogative. You, I ask you a question, you can do whatever the hell you want. You don't have to answer it. You can go on some diatribe about something else. You can be direct. You can tell me I'm an idiot. Whatever you want to do, that's your right to answer the question the way you want to. Right. I right as a journalist to ask it the way I want to. And we got... We got something out of them. Great clip. Yep. Was that that's no. one of my that's one of my favorite clips. Was that was that the on to Cincinnati week? Yes. So that, it was right. Well, so that, yeah, that was after the Kansas City game. We asked yeah. that, and then Albert Breer was the one who sort of, and Albert was working in SL Network at the time. Uh-huh. Albert was the one who sort of got Bill to just keep going. We're on to Cincinnati. Like yeah. he didn't want to have any more conversations about Brady that week, you know. So it was yeah. like. Um, and hey, that team galvanized around their quarterback. I mean, Gronk. Mm-hmm. Gronk that was the fall- turning point. Yeah, yep. Gronk the fall- when they kicked the crap out of Cincinnati. Gronk was practically crying in his locker after the game. Really? You know, you guys were, you know, sort of like you the Terrell Owens moment. Like that's my quarterback, and he was like, yep. "You guys are like this guy's. He puts in so much work, and he does so much. You know, like it wasn't about him." And we were kind of like, "Well, the question wasn't really." directed to take him down a peg but that's the way mm-hmm. it was interpreted so whatever the, ver- the verbatim of the question was just at bill after this week would you consider evaluating the quarterback position that was it right yep that and yeah that was it so it was like and, and the, the wording sorry, of that, bro. and again this is just kind of to take you into like that that 15 minute window as we're having this conversation with tom mm-hmm. he and i are talking about it and then i said to him at one point when we were having like how what are we how am i gonna how am i gonna say this i said well you know he always talks about 
we'll evaluate that position like we evaluate any other position, whatever you're talking about, safety. Good point. Yep. He just did it this week when he was talking about Cam. Yep. He said, we'll, yeah. we'll treat that position like we treat any other position. So that's why the word evaluate came up because that's a word that he uses. Sure. Talks about his team. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of, a, it was a, like I said, I got a lot of hate from it, but I don't regret it. And I think it was a fair question. And like I said, he did, it was a fair answer. He did. He gave us the answer. Mm-hmm. Without saying a word, just mm-hmm. that reaction, he gave us the answer. Dan I've and I talked before the show, and we agreed that it was fair. Yeah. yeah. I've never asked a question that cool before in my life. And I've been asking <laughs> questions for going on 30 years now, um, give or take. Um, no, that's sometimes, a great question. Sometimes you ask questions. I remember um, I was younger, and I was asking Matt Light a question. And mm. I, was, I was like going around in circles. And instead of just being direct, and that's, I think, it happens a lot with people that, when you're, especially when you're younger, Mm-hmm. There's an intimidation level when you're in the locker room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I clearly was probably a little intimidated and I couldn't get it out. <laughs> I ran him and then I just looked at him and he's, he's like laughing at me. And I was like, can you help me out? And he's like, nope. He's nice. Like, All right. Whatever. That's how you learn. Yeah. Shout out Matt Light. Yep. All right, Mike. All right, Mike. Well, guys, we'll let you go. Um, Real quick, thank you, man, for, for coming on. Before we officially sign off, uh, where, where can people find you online? What's the best place for our listeners to follow now that you, they got introduced to you if they haven't heard you before? So Twitter, it's just at Mike Giardi. It's G-I-A-R-D-I. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's my same thing on Instagram. Although Instagram, out of season, is mostly my dog. Nice. Um, but in season, you know, I'll give you some videos and we'll do some stuff there as well. Um, Perfect. That's, and then obviously NFL Network, we're on all the time. And you can confirm you are on television tomorrow, August 9th. No, August, excuse me, 7th, 2020. I've got the text right here. Okay. Hey, Patriots quarterbacks are talking tomorrow. You want to do TV? Side note, Patriots quarterbacks talking tomorrow. Put that on the record. Yeah. I'm going to assume to each other, but. No, we got, there's, there's actual, they're making like 20 people available tomorrow. Most of the coaches are making each quarterback available. Um, Obviously through Zoom or whatever they they have a team. Yeah. Big yeah. day. Boyer, we'll, Cam Newton. We'll be in the scrum. I'll uh, if yeah. it's if it's in Zoom like all these meetings have been. Um, we'll just hack. I'll, I'll raise my hand and that's just me saying hi to you. I don't want to interrupt the call or anything, <laughs> but that's us saying hi. It's it's like the classic thing in school. Oh, do you have your hand up? Oh, I, I was just scratching yeah, my head. No, no, I was no. just stretching. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, you're a good sport, man. Um, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time. Uh, we. We obviously an open invite. We'd love to have you back anytime. Maybe, maybe once the season gets going or after the season, but um, all right. Morse code podcast, Mike Girardi, NFL network. Thanks for coming on and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. We out of here, baby. We out of here, baby. We out of here, baby. Swag out of hunting and climbing, baby. Yeah. Life of a dawn, lights keep blowing. Coming in the club with that fresh shit on, with something crazy on my arm. Uh-uh-uh. Here's another hit, Barry Bond.